0: Hello. Uh, that started. Hello. Hi. Welcome to another show. <laughs> oh, fuck it. You know what you're listening to. I'm so sorry. It's I pressed it without even knowing I pressed it. And I was... It doesn't matter. Okay. Hi. How are you? Um. Today is May 14th. And I don't really have anything for you, so I was just picking up my trusty Language of Letting Go book to see what May 14th has in store. Ah, Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. You should really, at this moment... I'm really glad you can empathize with the poor souls that have to stand next to me at church when I'm worshiping, because now you know how they feel. Okay, May 14th, honesty. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, which is step five in the 12-step program, which is really crazy because I've been working on that all week, which you would know if you listen to this week's podcasts. <sighs> Talking openly and honestly to another person about ourselves is an attitude that reflects self-responsibility. It is critical to recovery. It is important to admit what we have done wrong to others and to ourselves. Mm. Verbalize our beliefs and our behaviors. Get our resentments and fears out in the open. That's how we realize our pain. That's how we release old beliefs and feelings. That's how we are set free. The more clear and specific we can be with our higher power, ourselves and another person, the more quickly we will experience that freedom. So true. Step five is an important part of the recovery process. For those of us who have learned to keep secrets from ourselves and others, it is not just a step. It is a leap toward becoming healthy. Today, I will remember that it's okay to talk about the issues that bother me. It is by sharing my issues that I will grow beyond them. I will also remember that it is okay to be selective about those in whom I confide. Wow. I can trust my instincts and choose someone who will not use my disclosures against me and who will give me healthy feedback. (sighs) So good. This book is so good. This is probably one of the top 10 most useful and impactful books that I have. So uh, step five, which I just went through my, with my sponsor the day before yesterday, I only had the relief and the release I had of those feelings I was carrying of shame due to my vulnerability and a new situation which I, I didn't know what to do with when I did my fourth inventory and when I did my fifth with my sponsor. And what I love about doing my fifth with my sponsor is every sponsor does it differently. And the way she handled mine with her the other day, telling her what was bothering me was... I just lost my train of thought. Oh, was a reexamining old scripts, which is interesting because today I was thinking about my... Um belief about myself that I don't have a right to take up people's time. So I will either feel overly grateful for someone's time, I will feel like I will have to go over the top in thanking them, or I'm always watching the clock and keeping my answers short and making sure that their time is respected Um, So that I can protect that sense of you should be seen and not heard, which is what my dad really liked to tell me, Uh, which I think is really harmful for children. But specifically, I think of little girls and how we have to really fight in many ways that men do not against society in order for our voices to be heard or taken seriously. I have not particularly dealt with that more than, I think, on one occasion. Um, I was a... I don't know why I'm remembering this. I dropped out of high school um, because I just lost interest in school and I found more value uh, in working. So I never completed... This was back in the days when there was grade 13. But I never got my high school diploma because I had two and three jobs that enabled me to pay for my car and live on my own. And I just preferred working to school, to be honest. So I never worked just one job until I actually moved to Toronto. I had always worked two, three, or four jobs at a time to support myself because I was out of the house at a relatively early age. And so one of my jobs, my daytime job, one of my daytime jobs was I was an administrative assistant at a steel manufacturing company in Brampton where I grew up. And I remember going to the company golf tournament and it was like 200 people in this beautiful banquet hall of this golf course. And after dinner, the president got up and announced that um, uh, aperitifs or nightcaps would be in his suite um, in room six something or whatever. And he looked at me across this room and said, that's the sixth floor for you, Julie. Ha ha ha. And it was a big joke about how I wouldn't know what floor 600 and something was on. And I remember at that moment realizing how they viewed me at work was not how I viewed myself. I thought I was, for 18 years old, very responsible and respectful, and I had a high work ethic, and I was a hard worker and independent, and they just saw me as the ditz who answers the phones, or at least that's that's what it seemed to me. Um, it was a really embarrassing moment because everybody turned around and laughed, and I was like, Ugh, okay, I get it now. But other than that and other than being objectified by, (laughs) oh my gosh, why is this a therapy session? I modeled as well for many years and I lived in Japan one time for a three-month period on a contract. And if you've ever wanted to feel like a piece of meat, there's nothing like walking into a, a boardroom of a line of 10 or 12 men in a bathing suit and being barked at backside so that you could turn around and show them what you look like from behind in a bathing suit. Uh, But I feel particularly lucky in my life that but for a handful of life experiences like that, I don't feel like I have ever been anywhere where I have been objectified or shut down. Now, as a woman going into ministry, I might face that going forward. But I'm glad I'm facing it as a almost 43-year-old woman because I have come to really be grounded in my God-given femininity, which I absolutely love. And I feel like in our 40s, we really step into the grounded power of our feminine nature. Um, I'm a woman who loves Being a woman. I love every bit of my femininity, whether it expresses itself in sexuality or intellect or um, my emotional side. I am very female energy and I feel very comfortable in that. And that is also why I love going into situations where it's predominantly a male environment because I'm very comfortable with that side of myself. And I walk in with a very different energy, an unapologetic energy, an I'm equal to you energy. And so I've been able to walk into boardrooms and hold positions in for finance firms and sit on the trading desk and be involved in meetings and go and do jail ministry and understand that... In my eyes and in my experience, half, more than half of the battle is walking in knowing who you are, how you would like to be treated, and presenting yourself with confidence. Um, I have a lot of women friends that did not experience that and feel like they hit glass ceilings and in all kinds of different industries and that uh, male-dominated industries don't give them opportunities. But I also know a lot of women that haven't experienced that. And for me, being involved in different industries and now going into ministry, I feel like someone else can't tell me what my calling is. Someone else can't tell me how good I am. Someone else can't tell me what I can or cannot do. That's between me and God. And if God is sending me somewhere or he has given me a gift, a very clear gift, and it could be anything, playing the guitar, being a teacher, being a pastor, being a mom, no one can tell you you don't have that. And one of my mentors said the most beautiful thing to me one time. She doesn't know she's my mentor. She's famous. Her name's Ian Van Zandt, and I adore her. I went on one of her retreats, and it was like one of the most life-changing things I'd ever done. And she said, the greatest tool in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. So my value comes largely for me from me and from God. So if you're a man that doesn't believe I should be in the room when I am in the room, Okay, you can tell me how you feel about it, but it's not going to change that I'm in this room, that I have a goal, that I have a point, that I have a calling to be where I'm going to be. And it means that I don't have to be defensive if someone wants to offend me. It doesn't mean that I can be abused or disrespected, but it also means it takes a degree of humility, knowing who I am in the grand scheme of things, recognizing where respect is due, not overthrowing authority when it's just based on a personal feeling Wanting to do better and working with others. So it takes, it's taken a lot of challenging for me to come from a household where children are to be seen but not heard, not realizing that those children grow up into adults that haven't let go of that belief yet. It doesn't stay with kids, it grows with us because we're all just kids in big people bodies. And not only that, watching my mother be. Incredibly submissive to men, to my dad, and showing me that a woman is responsible to her husband be if she doesn't work in way more of an of a way than it was appropriate. Maybe I'm not expressing that properly, but there is gratitude and there is partnership, and then there's submission and um putting people on a pedestal and the subconscious message i got was a man can do what he wants say what he wants behave how he wants because if he's supporting the woman that's all that matters so even as kids your feelings and needs didn't matter dad's needs were met first and you walked around him on eggshells and you obeyed and you never spoke back whether you were the mom or the kids And that gave me a real inferiority complex as a woman that it has taken me a long time to overcome. And to be honest, had I done it on my own without the help of my higher power, I don't think that I could sit here and say all these things that I just said to you. Because my ultimate value comes from him who created me and continues to guide me and be the leading, most powerful force in my life. So how did we get from step five to here? Well... Admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being. I find that really interesting. Admitted to God. Doesn't God know where I am? Doesn't God know every thought in my brain, every feeling in my heart, every action, crime or otherwise that I commit? Yes, he does. But admitting is a very powerful tool. It calls people into relationship with each other. When I pray, I'm calling God into relationship with me. That's why it's so important in recovery, because that is a connector saying we're doing this together. Listen, if we could get sober on our own, we wouldn't be showing up in the rooms. We wouldn't be going to rehab. We wouldn't be on death's door. We would have done it ourselves. Instead, we did it to ourselves. And Not only that, you're bringing another person into the conversation, someone that has walked the same road, someone that gets to be a higher power interpreter, if you will. Sometimes my sponsor refers to herself that way in much humility. But I think that that is really important when we dig down into the language of the steps, Each word, I believe, was divinely inspired and has a purpose. It's why slowing down the serenity prayer can be so powerful. It's the same thing with traditional prayers like the Our Father or the Hail Mary or whatever you pray. Um, If you focus in on every word as a meditation, it's amazing how powerful they become. So step five is important not only from that point of view, but a holistic point of view, mentally and emotionally, we are created creatures where we are supposed to create and express. An expression to me is bringing creative energy and force to something that's inside of us. And it's inexplicable. It's a supernatural thing. Why I can feel terrible and pick up the phone and tell my friend or my sponsor what's going on and I feel better. So our addictions are... Tamp those things down and keep them inside of us. And the opposite of that in recovery is to let it out, expose it to the sunlight of the spirit and have it be transformed. So if you have not done the steps, I couldn't give you a more resounding, cheerleading um, push to do them. If something's really bothering you right now, could be me and my voice at the moment, Do a fourth on it. Call your sponsor and do a fourth on it. Get down to the meat and bones, the causes and conditions, because there is a solution for things that are eating us up. I'm not talking about feelings like sadness and grief and anger. I'm talking about things like depression and rage and resentment. There's a a trajectory of emotions. There is a spectrum where they're healthy and they're unhealthy. And so if you're in the unhealthy range with something, if you're restless, irritable, and discontented, if you're experiencing insomnia, if you can't catch your breath, if your heart is beating too fast, if you're experiencing signs and exhibiting signs of high stress, I encourage you to call your sponsor and do your fourth. Oh, what is that? Oh, I don't know what's happening. Never mind. Um, (laughs) I encourage you, please do your fourth and then don't stop there. Do a fifth. Tell someone. Go into steps six and seven, ready to have those things that are blocking you to be removed and asking God to remove them. And then if necessary, making your amends list and so on and so forth. Um, if you'd like a little bit more guidance on that, I couldn't give you more... Um, I'm at a loss for words today. I haven't eaten a lot. So maybe that's why. I couldn't direct you to a better place than the Joe and Charlie tapes. You can get them on iTunes for free. You can Google them. Joe and Charlie are a bunch of old Southern dudes back in the day that went through the big book. The entire series is about 10 hours long, but they literally go through the big book and break down the steps. Their step studies are legendary. If you want a more contemporary uh, version, Lisa and I did that. You can go onto our playlist and you can look at the 12-step playlist we discussed. We discussed each step per podcast, except for, I think, six and seven we did in one podcast. And we just talk about everything we've ever been taught or learned about the steps. And, of course, you can get the 12 and 12, which is a book, the sister book to the Alcoholics Anonymous big book that discusses a step per chapter. The book, the the steps change your life. And that's not just a subjective view. I see it all the time in people all around me with every kind of addiction. So... I wish you well. I hope this was helpful and I'll talk to you soon.